So I was not here last week. I was teaching all weekend. Uh, Don Neal was teaching, and we had communicated a number of times before uh, the weekend, and uh, partly she was talking about um, engaged Buddhism, and uh, it was right, I don't know if it was the day after, the same day as Martin Luther King Day, and so she and I had been talking about Martin Luther King and his bodhisattva-ness. If you don't know the word bodhisattva, it means an awakening being. Um, but it, it's a certain style of, of the awakening being that's talked about in Buddhism, of somebody who gives for the benefit of others in an ongoing way. And he was a beautiful example of uh, leadership and wisdom and um, and action, acting from his wisdom. And we were also, Don and I also talked about the fact that we'd had an election recently, which some of you may know. And um, uh, so we have a new president. And, um, and I was thinking about um, what a catalyst the election has been and the new president has been for people. And um, I was discussing this earlier today with a friend of mine who I was helping take care of because he'd had a big operation and he can't take care of himself right now because he can't move around. He'd had his hip bone shaved and some ligaments, something reorganized and I can't be something muscular. And you know, serious operation. And so I went to his house this morning as uh, as a group of people who right now are taking care of him, and uh, partly because his family was away. And uh, and so he and I were talking about what a catalyst the election had been for people. And so I looked up the word catalyst. I like the word, and I like words, and I like the magic of words and the fact that the Dharma in a tremendous way comes to us through words and it awakes people and I find the power of words so beautiful and, and also so tragic because of course words can be used for in, in the sense of generosity or kindness or goodness or they can be used in not good ways or not kind ways or selfish ways. And so the word catalyst, um, which is used mostly in chemistry actually, a substance that increases the rate of a chemical reaction. Right? That was the first definition, but then, the, then they, they normalized it a little. A person or a thing that precipitates an event or precipitates something you know, is part of the, is part of the fuel for something happening. And originally it comes from the Greek, meaning to dissolve or to loosen. And I like that very much. I like that because I think the Dharma is about loosening some of our ideas, some of our beliefs, some of our habits, some of our um, unconsciousness so that we and all of us can be free. And it's often uh, paradoxical because the loosening can be very pleasant sometimes, but it can also be very unpleasant when our identity starts to get loosened or our unconsciousness starts to get loosened. And so a catalyst I was thinking about the election as a catalyst and the fact that um, for some people it was a very pleasant catalyst, the, the election. Probably not for most people here. We, we live in a certain culture in the Bay Area that was not so pro-Trump. And, um, and so for many people it was a very unpleasant event that has focused as a catalyst. And in the Dharma, both pleasant and unpleasant events become catalysts for awakening. 
And it's why we pay attention to our experience moment by moment by moment. Because some of, if you've noticed, even as we sat here, some of our experience, one's experience, might have been very pleasant. Like, oh, maybe you got really quiet and it was really simple and you were aware and it was like really pleasant or really felt very open or very free even. Or maybe you didn't. Maybe you felt like your mind didn't stop talking to you or you're upset about something and that was in the foreground and so it was hard to sit and it, you know, and you know, you thought that I waited way too long to ring the bell and you were waiting, right? That's a, often a very unpleasant part of the meditative process. But both of those are, are part of the process of meditation which begins to reveal the potential for us to wake up or to be free. <clears throat> and um, one of the paradoxes of practice is that um, the difficulties are just part of the deal. Not, not just part, they're, they're really, if, if you have big picture dharma, understanding, you see, oh, the difficulties are good because we wake up from the difficulties. And uh, Sayadaw Utejaniya, who's one of the teachers I like very much, who's a Burmese Buddhist teacher, he said, people only become awake and alert when there's some sort of discomfort or distress. Right? People only become awake and alert when there is some sort of discomfort or distress. They stop paying attention once they are comfortable again. And so he's pointing at something about what can, how consciousness can open up because of dukkha. And if you're new here, I'll use the word dukkha. It's a Pali word. It means suffering or disease or discomfort. And a very important word in, in Buddhist teaching and a very important part of the Buddha's understanding of the Four Noble Truths, the truth, the truth of suffering or dukkha and the dukkha and then being aware of dukkha, being aware of the second truth of the causes of dukkha, third truth being aware of the potential for freedom from dukkha and the fourth truth is the Eightfold path, or the path that leads to freedom from dukkha, from suffering. And so, part of the reason why I've been thinking about the word catalyst and the election as a catalyst is because I was also on the uh, the rally in March yesterday here in San Francisco. How many people were at the rally in March? I just want to see. Look around. It's right. So. So this is a, a very catalytic group, right? We all were catalyzed, and we all went on that march. And um, it, it is part of the response to the election, for the most part, which many people are not happy with. And um, in the old days, meaning I've been doing Buddhism for a long time. They didn't used to talk much about politics in Buddhism, in Western American <clears throat> style Buddhism. And that's changed happily. Um, but it's because, in the, you know, in the old days, it was like, oh, you didn't want to be political because you didn't want to leave anybody out. And we don't want to leave anybody out. We want everybody who want, who's coming for freedom <laughs> to be here, and we respect the different views of everybody, really, and we also have some opinions of our own. So I just want to make sure that's clear, or some views of our own about freedom and the lack of freedom. And as far as I can tell, the Dharma is on the side of freedom 24-7. That's what the Dharma is pointing at and teaching, and that happens both individually and collectively. And so um, the march was, you know, uh, not just one march. If some of you looked, 
I, I printed out a bunch of pictures of marches from around the world, and they're on the table. You might take a look before you leave if you didn't see them, because it's a different world these days. Um, we live in a much smaller world, and that has its pluses and minuses like everything. But one of the pluses now is um, we can respond to dukkha much more quickly and much more collectively as a world. And so the world is responding to something that the world is upset about. And it was focused around women and women and, and appropriately given the um, election and given some of the uh, prejudice against women by some of the people who got elected, but also by the worldwide dukkha for women in general, which is not a done deal, or not only in one country or one place, but is around the world. And of course, that is symbolic of prejudice, whether it's around uh, gender, or sexuality, or sexual preference, or race, or religion, or nationalism, etc. It's part of the dukkha that human beings are still learning to be free of, which we could say is tri kind of tribal or primitive uh, dukkha of prejudice, of bias, of the various isms, whether it's sexism or racism or whatever ism it might be, ageism or, or um, the economic ism of class also, you know, is another kind of prejudice that gets enacted for us as human beings. <clears throat> and I, um, uh, I appreciated what Frederick Douglass said, who was an abolitionist and a writer and a statesman, uh, American statesman. He said, I prayed for freedom for 20 years. I prayed for freedom for 20 years, but received no answer until I prayed with my legs. That's a beautiful teaching we're getting from Frederick Douglass. You know, the understanding, our intention can, is great, but intention is just one part of the path. Action is what comes after our intention, our good wishes, our wanting the freedom. We need to act on it at times. And so that's a little bit how I understood the Woman's March. Um, and it was interesting today to talk to different people about it, about their experience, um, including my, first of all, it was interesting, I'll just say personally myself, I haven't been in a demonstration in a while but I've been in a lot of demonstrations in my life. And so it kind of lit up a part of me that it's a little, it been dormant for a while, few years, but um, brought up a lot of memories. And I was in a lot of demonstrations in New York and they were a little more tense than yesterday's march. Yesterday's march was very beautiful, totally great, but it wasn't, I, I was in demonstrations in New York, and this is, I'm old enough, though, a long time ago, the Vietnam War, anti-Vietnam War, where we'd be marching and parading and picketing, and, and then all of a sudden a whole bunch of windows would, somebody would break them, a few people would break them, and you just start running then, because you know shit's gonna happen right there and there. <coughs> Meaning, it's people who were, who were picketing, they were on my side, but they were protesting in that way because there was so little power that that is what they felt they needed to do. And uh, I was also, I've mentioned this before, but I, I did radical political street theater when I was a young man in New York. And um, 
that was pretty great, I have to say, and, and pretty wild, because we would often perform at demonstrations and stuff, and, uh, and, but shit would happen, boy. And uh, I just remember running streets of New York and, you know, meaning not wanting to get my ass kicked. Really, that's really what I was trying to save. But, um, but it was an interesting time because all of that action had some impact. Slowly, frustratingly, but it did. It had some impact and sometimes that's what's needed, sometimes. Especially when you're young, it's more, even more. But, um, but I was talking with different people about the march yesterday and what that was like. And one of the people I talked to, actually, I didn't even know about this until I went to visit my friend who I was caring for this morning, which means I was making him breakfast and walking his dog and doing things like that. And. Uh, and he said, oh yeah, did you see what your daughter wrote about the march? I said, oh, was she at a march? You know, because she didn't tell me this. <laughs> and uh, he said, oh yeah, she, uh, he said, I think she was at the march, you know, in New York or Washington. She lives in New York. And, uh, and uh, so, and then I see, oh yeah, she's got, first of all, a picture of her mother who was at a march in Oakland. And then she's got a whole thing about the march and how great it was. And so I called her up today and said, hey, I went to the march too, let's talk about it. Actually, here's, I'll be really honest, I said, hey, I'm giving a talk tonight, I want to hear what you have to say about the march. You know, I, you know I'm a teacher, I'm always looking for some good material. And, uh, and she said some interesting things about it. She's, I said, what moved you about the march? What touched you about the march? And she, and she went, she and her husband drove five hours from New York to Washington, did the march, and drove five hours back, like same day. And, uh, and she said mostly, and she's been very, uh, my daughter was very, very upset about the election and the misogynist attitude that she felt Trump has towards women and, uh, and that he got elected even though he's, uh, not totally enlightened about women. <laughs> and, uh, and so she said mostly she was moved by the different people who were there. It was very moving to her. Both, first of all, how many families were there? How many teens were there? How many uh, older people were there? how many different races and cultures were there. And, and she was also really impressed with it because there were a lot of threats against the march, which I didn't hear, I didn't hear about. I, sometimes I don't tune into the news so well, so I didn't hear about that. She said there were a lot of threats about the march and she was amazed at how um, determined people were, like they were going to the march, like no, no joke about it, and how kind they were at the same time, and how generous people were together at the march. And she said um, there was an outpouring of joy, and, and for her, this is my daughter, she said her belief in the innate goodness of people had been very low since the election, and it really raised her feeling about people in general, because when we're together, we really see what's possible for us as people, it's good. This is my comment, I mean, that's not what she said. And, uh, and she said it was great to see how peaceful and joyful people were, and um, yeah. And, um, and then, um, I also am trying to think who else. Oh, um, uh, my friend who I was caring for, well, his wife and 18-year-old uh, son weren't home because they had gone to the march. Like that was, and I know his wife and she's a lovely woman and, uh, and um, you know, very down-to-earth mother type. She's got two sons two teenage sons, and she's 
great with them. But like she was just going to that march no matter what. That's how she felt. And she went with her, her uh, older boy and they loved, loved the march. And I haven't talked to her yet. Um, but she, he said she was thrilled by how powerful it was to be walking together and be acting instead of just thinking about the election, which is not necessarily so helpful because if you've noticed, your mind can say anything about anything and it may be true, but it may not be true. And so to act in that way, she found it very grounding. And. Um, and I thought there were a lot of interesting things just in the uh, march here in San Francisco. Really, most interesting to me was what were people saying on their signs, right? And there were a lot of different things, and I'll read you some of. Uh, and remember, the big picture, part of what meditation is offering us that then become engaged Buddhism is big picture view. Because when we have a big picture, we can start to act and respond and engage in life with our intelligence, with our kindness, with our care, with our strength, with our fierceness. But, but it's having all, the more we understand, the more we can act wisely and skillfully to respond to dukkha in its various forms. <clears throat> and so like the most basic poster, I took some pictures, so I looked at them today. One, um, one poster said, our mothers, daughters, and sisters de deserve better. Now, that's a beautiful, just that is a beautiful understanding of the big picture of oh, we're all here together as family, right? We're all family, whether we're blood family or not, right? We all come from women, right? Period, right? That's, you know, actually it's usually when they don't have their period that we come from <laughs> that. But, uh, you know, here, so I'll be very, uh, my daughter, when she was a teenager, we warned her she was gonna get her period Right? And she was like, okay, okay, I get it, I'm gonna get my period. And then she got her period and she was shocked. And we were like, why are you shocked? She said, oh, I thought it was like a period. <laughs> like a dot <laughs> of blood. And it was like, that's not a great word, right? Okay, so anyhow, you're just hearing my uh, free associating as I'm giving the talk. Um, but, but I thought that was a beautiful sign because it's just pointing to the truth, which is whatever group we may be part of, in this case women, who are right, mothers, sisters, uh, 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 daughters, partners, it's really, a, really the question of um, how do we include all of us? How do we understand that we're, the big picture is whatever we think, we're actually all here together. We're all here together. And we may have our prejudices and our, our ideas about, oh, we are, we're better than this group or that group, but, but if we really start to wake up, we're all here together in this one little planet in the universe. And I have to say, my favorite thing about the internet is I get a, 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 a thing every day, the, let's see, I forget how they call it. It's, it's from NASA, right? Uh, the space agency. They send you a different picture of the universe every day, right? From different parts of the universe. And it's like, and uh, every time I just think, wow, this is where we are actually. This is much bigger than we think, the whole deal. And we always think so small. And the Dharma is to open up our hearts and minds and eyes and start to see the big picture 
Uh, we're, we're just on one little planet. And we don't, nobody even knows how many planets, and nobody has any idea, at least I don't, any idea how many planets there are, how, many, how big the universe is, or is there more than one universe? I don't even know this. I'm asking if somebody's a scientist or knows something, you can tell me. But So I thought that was a great, just down-to-earth, real poster. I saw a map of the United States somebody was carrying, and it had the West Coast highlighted, and it said, build the wall here, <laughs> which was, okay, I could go with that. <laughs> and then there was one that said, fighting Nazis is an American tradition. Like, whoa. And then there was one, and this was a very simple one. It said, always be kind, except fuck this shit. <laughs> <laughs> and so people were expressing themselves and also being humorous and, and real. And then there were a number, then I, I got interested, so the Was Washington Post listed a number of different signs that they'd seen. Resistance is fertile. <laughs> I have a vagenda. <laughs> there is so much wrong, it cannot fit on this sign. <laughs> and an older woman's sign said, I can't believe I'm still protesting this shit. <laughs> and then one sign said, sorry world, we'll fix this. And then there was, a, somebody did a needlepoint, a woman carrying a needlepoint. She said, I made this so I could stab something 35,000 times. What <laughs> 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 more, just, vaginas brought you into the world. Vaginas will vote you out. <laughs> and so this catalyst, you hear what happens. The pendulum swings one way, and, that, and then it becomes a catalyst. The pendulum starts to swing the other way. And big picture is that's very normal. And, that's, and it's very normal in American politics. I want to add that in the mix because, in my view, this is not the Buddha said, this is Eugene's opinion, we've had quite a blessing to have President Obama for the last eight years because we've had a mature, wise, kind person leading the country, which is maybe the most difficult job you could have, right? And he did it in spite of the racism that's inherent in America and in spite of the kind of um, reactiveness that that prejudice brings forward. And he did a great job. And he didn't, he never let go of being wise and kind, even though he was a for real leader of a big country. And. Um, and so, and that brought a reaction, right? And this is, now we have the reaction, and now we're having the reaction to the reaction. And so that's part of the, the cyclonic dynamic of what happens in politics. And it's, you know, I'm old enough to have seen this at different times in my life, where it goes, it swings one way for a while, and then it swings another way for a while. And the question that I believe we're all asking is, oh, what do we do? Or many people are asking themselves, what do we do? And I think that's a really helpful and skillful Buddhist question. And so I'm gonna, put this in a bigger picture. Um, this is from Stephen Batchelor, who writes a lot about current Buddhism. He says, um, in the Mahayana, uh, Mahayana Buddhism, uh, 
there is a particularly uh, a great emphasis is laid on realizing the union of wisdom and compassionate action. Realizing the union of, of wisdom and compassionate action. Human fulfillment is seen to lie in the integration of inner and outer dimensions of life. Right? Human fulfillment is not just in sitting on a cushion and getting enlightened, which you can have that, and that's a great thing. That's not, I'm not, I love that. And that's only the beginning, right? So human fulfillment is seen to lie in the integration of the inner and outer dimensions of life, not in transcendent wisdom or world-saving compassion alone. As long as we remain delusively convinced of our egoic separation, then we remain cut off from the capacity to empathize, em, empathize fully with others. Right? As long as we remain delusively convinced of our egoic separation. This is why the teaching on self and not self is so important. Because each of us is identified with our body, heart, and mind, and this is me. And that identification has its relative truth, but it's not ultimately what's true. And so there's greater truth to be discovered, to be realized, and then made real in the actuality of our lives and how we live our life. And so as long as we, he says, remain delusively convinced of our egoic separateness, separation, then we remain cut off from the capacity to empathize fully with others, right? We remain lost in our own worlds. And what mindfulness asks, and you see this everywhere in the teaching on the four foundations of mindfulness, is you want to practice internally, externally and both internally and externally at the same time, right? And so we sit and practice internally and then we start to relate and practice internally and externally. And the world is part of our internal and external mindfulness practice. I'm adding that all in. Now I'll continue with what he said. He, he said, and when talking about the uh, capacity to empathize, fully with others, he says, such empathy is nothing other than the affective response to insight into the absence of egoic separation, right? It's an insight when we realize, oh, we're not just our thoughts or our feelings or our body or our heart or our mind, that there's something more here and that something more here is connected with everybody in this room and in this whole world and maybe in the whole universe, all beings may be one in that way. And then he says, he says, for when the fiction of isolated selfhood is exposed, instead of a gaping mystical void, we discover that our individual existence is rooted in relationship with the rest of life. I'm going to read what he said again. It's beautifully put. For when the fiction of our isolated selfhood is exposed, instead of a gaping myst mystical void, we discover that our individual existence is rooted in relationship with the rest of life. And it's, it's beautiful. It's just a beautiful understanding. Oh, we're all here together with all of life. And it's why in Buddhism, really, you don't kill anything. It's all life. And it's, you know, it's, oh, where does it even come from? It's so ma amazing. It's so magical. The littlest life, just whether it's an insect or, a, or, or any kind of, mammal or reptile or whatever kind of animal it might be, where do they come from? Meaning, I know they all come from their parents or whatever it might be, but, but I mean the whole life, it's, it's consciousness. So here personally, I'm a little aware of this right now because my wife got a dog uh, about a few weeks ago and I was like, I don't want a dog. I've had dogs, I love dogs. I do not want to walk a dog. When I had a dog, 
you didn't have to clean up after the dog either. <laughs> so that was a long time ago, but great. For 12 years, I walked the dog every day. And beautiful, loved my dog. But um, so she got a dog on the deal. It's her dog, and and I and, and what's but what's interesting for me is I love dogs. They're fun to play with. I'm happy to play with them. But it's so interesting to have another consciousness in the house. Like oh, this is a living being, and he's a he's a rescue. He was a rescue dog. Rescue, I forget, what, there's some term, rescue recovery, rescue something, where you, you get a dog who's being helped or in some way. And so, and it's clear now, oh, he's had some trauma because of whatever his circumstances were. And so sometimes he gets, if, if, you, if you act too fast, if you move too fast, he gets a little scared. It's like, oh, it's just consciousness that just wants to live and be happy, like all of us. And it's just been beautiful to be around him. And even I'm taking him out once in a while. And, <laughs> and I don't know, believe me, I'm, I go, now, now in my, probably in my backpack, I have a bag for cleaning up and everything. <laughs> I'm, I'm on board, but it's, uh, you know, it's such a big picture what he's pointing at is when we let go of the individual self as the whole picture, we start seeing, oh, we're part of life, and this life is everywhere, actually. And there is this unity of life itself. And he goes on to say, he says, I'll say it once more, when the fiction of isolated selfhood is exposed, instead of a gaping mystical void, we discover that our individual existence is rooted in relationship with the rest of life. For Thich Nhat Hanh, this is the realization of interbeing. Interbeing, beautiful term from Thich Nhat Hanh. Uh, for the Dalai Lama, that of universal responsibility also beautiful understanding of what it means to be a human being on the earth is that we all, each of us, have a universal responsibility that is not just responsible for ourselves, but we're responsible for one another. He said these two ideas of interbeing universal and universal responsibility are two ideas at the heart of contemporary engaged Buddhism. So I'll stop there for tonight, and of course I'm always happy to hear your thoughts, feelings, reactions, any questions about the talk, liking, not liking, all of that is good, either way. around. Thank you. Hi, I'm Kevin. Um, the thing I've been sort of struggling with since this, since the election is that, um, sort of this belief, that this more of a sense that I have that, that kind of that the universe doesn't make mistakes, you know, that life doesn't make mistakes, that things happen. Even Einstein said, you know, God doesn't roll dice, you know, it's kind of how that or, you know, he was sort of agnostic, I guess, but, but somehow I think he was uh, Jewish. wrapping my, my heart and mind around the fact that somehow this had to happen. Uh, and, and the reason I say that is because it happened. <laughs> and, and, and the challenge of that is just, um, yeah, it's just kind of the, to, to respond to it. I mean, right. Lloyd the other night on Friday told me, uh, he said, hey, Kevin, did you remember, I hope you remembered tonight to uh, turn all the clocks in your house back 300 years. <laughs> <laughs> it's, good. it's good to have a sense of humor. Yeah, 
yeah, when I mean, we can. Because it's, it's gruesome. I mean, it's just gruesome stuff. I mean, I just had to, was riding in my car listening to Democracy Now! and they went through every single cabinet pick. Any one of these people in my lifetime would have just been like, just caused it just so, alarm. So, and then every right. single one of them was like, you know, I mean, it's just like this. You know, it's kind of so. Yeah, I don't know what the response is. It's, it is kind of when you need each other in a sense, you know. For right. Well, we, we do need each other. We forget that we need each other. When, like, uh, like Lutatia said, we stop paying attention when we're comfortable. But we need each other always. And that's one of the beautiful things about the Dharma is there are, you know, there are three gems in the Dharma, right? Buddha, Dharma, Sangha. And you, you know me well enough to know, oh, Buddha, that's like a no-brainer, of course. You know, it's just beautiful. And Dharma, oh, it's wonderful. Sangha, it's like, no way. Sangha is people. And, uh, and you know, personally, you know, because we live in a very individualist culture, and at least for me, I grew up with a certain kind of individualistic idea that, oh, that's what's good. And it took me quite a while to really get, that's not what's good. There's something better. There's something, it's a gem, people. Yeah. Right? And like I said, the thing is that the fact that somehow it had to happen, I was talking to this. Right, but, but you're, there's something inherent in that. Meaning, you're, you're, I, you're, there's something I, I want to point at. I'm not sure what it is. Give me a sec here. Because you're saying, oh, it had to happen. All kinds of shit happens. We're not in control. That's the hard part. And, and there's a certain, somehow you look in the, you know, I was talking to this Franciscan brother the other day, and I was <laughs> talking about how, Fucked up this is, and he said, you know, he said, think about the, uh, think about the caterpillar when it's in the cocoon and how it feels. He said, not only this thing comes so apart, it's like down to just basic liquid, uh -huh. and then you get a butterfly, you uh -huh. know. So maybe this is kind of, you know, look at, or, or think of the, the tulip bulb in the dark, <laughs> yeah, cold mud no, in the middle no. of the winter, and it, without that, there's no tulip. Yeah. So you're um, pointing at something about the dynamic of. Dukkha, the cause of Dukkha, and the end of Dukkha, in Buddha's terms. You, you don't have the end of Dukkha without having Dukkha. In other words, you don't have freedom without difficulty. And that's true for all of us. Learning that is what makes it, make, can make us skillful. Right? Because then we don't have to just react to how the hell did this shit happen? Right? Because there are causes and conditions. That's why it happened, whether it's God or whoever. Again, so thank you. But yeah. all that said, again, fuck this shit. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that uh, feeling. And it's good to be aware of that feeling for one more reason. Because there's a lot of energy in that feeling. And that energy can be used to help oneself and all of reality. Here. I'm Kitty. Uh, one of the things that just kept coming to me in such waves yesterday at the march, I'll probably tear up just talking about this, is the gift of fearlessness that everyone was extending to everyone else, and how much the uh, the simplicity of the precepts was there without anybody saying it. It was just here was all of humanity not harming and telling the truth and being kind and um, standing up for each other, standing with everyone else. Um, I missed one thing you said at the beginning, the gift of fearlessness. Yeah. Yeah, great, great. Okay, keep yeah. going. Yeah. Um, I think that's written. I think, I, mean, I think that's the Buddha's words, partly about the precepts, I think. Um, I don't know. Might, anyway, might be. So I, I read it somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's attribute um, it to the Buddha. <laughs> we can, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, the, well, actually, it, it was amazing to be among like over 100,000 people, and I only saw three people I knew, and one of them, first one was CJ. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, and just to think, wow, so now I have 99,997 new friends. <laughs> uh -huh. um, right, that's again, that's going big picture all of a sudden. It, it's a different way to think because we usually think very personally and all of a sudden we start to see collectively a little bit more of what's possible. Yeah, um, the, the first sign that really caught my eye or our eye <laughs> um, was um, if you're brave, stand up for other people. Mm -hmm. If you can't be brave, be kind. Mm -hmm. And then right at the end of the march was another one that, you know, it's like I was just watching the, the kindness and the, the anger and, the, you know, like all the different things being expressed and how they made me feel. Um, and one of the very last ones I saw was uh, in relation to Sangha was, <laughs> We outnumber you, fuckface. <laughs> That's all. How did you feel just saying that right now? What's that? How did you feel just saying that right now? Happy? Yeah. Well, let me just include that in the. <laughs> Thank you. And I appreciate you saying that about fearlessness. Because that was one of the things my daughter said that I, she said it was like, she said people weren't afraid even though there were a lot of threats against the march. People weren't afraid. People were going no matter what, and she and that really touched her. And so, yeah, great. Thank you. Thank you for your talk on this. Sure. Please. Hi, uh, I'm Saki, and then I had I, I was in Japan for six weeks, and then um, so from a <coughs> Japanese point of view, uh, the whole uh, whole events that is happening in America is very inspiring for Japanese people because. I actually went to Parliament to, um, you know, demonstrate, you know, against the TPP, and then there was whoa, whoa, whoa. against what? A TPP. Oh, got it. Okay. Yes. And Thank you. And there was only I think thirty people, and then um, we have we have we Japanese have very collective culture, but. Yeah. Because of that, we uh, kind of care, of, um, think about too much about how do I look like from other people, and uh, as a result, they don't really demonstrate uh -huh. for any. I mean, more, we are just really tame, I guess. Uh, not everybody, but most of people, and that's why I, just, I really appreciate for to American people who is just really making so much effort to um, standing up for uh -huh. the social justice and then yeah, yeah great. I really appreciate that. Great, thank you because you're adding to our bigger picture because you're bringing the view from because of their different cultures all around the world and they all have their pluses and minuses and we can appreciate sometimes better something that happens in America here because it, we see it from another culture where we might not have that uh, e either history or general cultural um, support to do something like this. And it is one of the amazing things about America is that people can go out and protest and not get shut down or shot down or, or not be um, banned in some way, shape, or form. So. Yeah, I, re uh, I especially 
we want to um, emphasize that individuality in America makes this happen. Yeah. And, um, that the, the whole um, uh -huh. yeah. spectrum. Yeah, no, that's really interesting because it is. Individuality has its pluses and minuses, <laughs> and you're pointing to one of the pluses of it. And yeah, great. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much for uh, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, I think we're going to stop there tonight. We've got, we're, we're trying to be very respectful of the people who work here at the church and get out relatively on time. So let's sit for one minute before we end. Reflecting on our good fortune that we have this time and place and teaching and community where we can come and sit and learn and talk and discover the Dharma. Dharma, of course, means truth, the way things are, the potential for our humanness to mature and ripen and wake up and may this good fortune that we have be for the benefit of all beings. May all beings be happy and peaceful. May all beings be free from suffering, free from prejudice, free from misogyny, free from racism, free from any of the isms any of the separations that are delusive that human beings sometimes have. And may we all learn to wake up together to discover this amazing, magical potential to be free. May we realize our Buddha nature, the nature of wisdom and compassion. May all beings be free. Good to be with you. I'll see you next week. Please take good care and uh, live your practice. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.